Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. There had been abuse in my family, but it was mostly musical in nature. Lover's Lament crap. I want something peppy, something happy, something up-tempo. I want something snappy. Listening to new music 365 days a year, we hear it all. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Now we winnow down that massive list to the best of the best. I'm Jim DeRogatis from WBEZ and Columbia College. And I'm Greg Cott from the Chicago Tribune. It's time to reveal our top albums of 2011. That's coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and time now to count down the best albums of 2011. Greg, we live for this show. Absolutely, Jim. We make no excuses about it either. This is an extremely biased set of lists that we're going to be putting out here today. Our favorite albums of 2011. We don't make any pretense about the idea that we've listened to all the tens of millions of albums that have been released, but these are the ones we listen to the most, that gave us the most pleasure this year. Greg, as usual with these kinds of shows, we toss a coin in the air to determine which of us get to go first. I think in honor of doing the best albums of the year, we should put on the coin the very worst album of the year, <laughs> possibly one of the worst albums of all time, Lou Reed and Metallica's Lulu. We both hate I, I don't know when I've heard a record that bad. So let's put Lou Reed on one side, Greg, and I'll claim Uncle Lou. You have Metallica on the other side. The coin is in the air. Hey, it's Uncle Lou. I get to go first. We have a little bit of overlap on our list, so I'm actually going to start with number seven out of my top ten, an album called Birds and Drums by a group from Reims, France, called Bewitched Hands. Greg, you and I had a wonderful experience midway through the year when we were at a radio conference in Wilmington, Delaware, and they were playing us tracks, and we were supposed to do that silly thing where you sit there and explain, you know, if you love the track, if you hate the track, and we weren't liking anything they played us. And then they played this album, and we knew from the first five notes what it was. I fell in love with this band in 2010 via their first EP. I saw them at South by Southwest in March, and my love affair just kept getting deeper and deeper. What a wonderful group. You know, it has a lot, I think, to do with all those Canadian supergroups, you know, the broken social scenes and the new pornographers. A big band, a big pop band that has a sort of anthemic, sometimes orchestral pop sound. But there's a psychedelic edge to Bewitched Hands that these other groups don't have. And I think that unlike a lot of those big bands, they actually justify all of the instrumentation on stage with these wonderful, rousing, anthemic choruses and then these very quiet instrumental passages. They're making a great sound, a really big sound, I think an arcade fire level worthy sound. This band should be much, much better known than it is. Bewitched Hands, Birds and Drums is the album. This song is called Hard to Cry on Sound Opinions. Oh my, every night she said why In the trouble of the city 
direct from France. That's Bewitched Hands on Sound Opinions. Greg, where are you going to start? Great choice, Jim. I'm going to go with my number five pick to start off with a band out of Toronto whose name I have to dance around a little bit. It is not yes. uh, appropriate <laughs> for family audiences. The F word up. Let's let's just put it that way. The New York Times, when they've written about them, have said just Google Pink Eyes because that's the leader of the band. Yes, Damien Pink Eyes Abraham, the rather large lead singer of this band, larger than life character on stage and on this album as well. Now, this Toronto six-piece band has put out more than 50 singles, EPs, mixtapes, and studio albums in the last decade. Incredibly prolific. And they've capped it off with their biggest piece of work yet, David Comes to Life, a four-part 18-song, 78-minute rock opera. Now, if you think this thing is going to go to Broadway, I'm not so sure it qualifies, but as a piece of work, it is magnificent. If you love guitars, this is the album for you in 2011, as far as I'm concerned. Three guitarists in the band, and they layer those guitars into orchestras on this record. On top of it, you've got this five-character narrative about this factory worker who falls in love. His partner dies in a violent death. He struggles to unravel the mystery of why... Ultimately, he's redeemed, but you don't have to understand any of that to appreciate how great this record is. I think in terms of just guitar textures and range of dynamics, it is a magnificent album. It has taken this band completely out of the hardcore scene that they began in and taken them somewhere else where you could see them playing arenas one day. They probably never will, but this sound could easily fill one of those big places. Here's a track from David Comes to Life from the F Word Up. It's called Queen of Hearts on Sound Opinions. Yeah. 
that's the number five album on my top ten list. David comes to life from the F word off a track called Queen of Hearts. Excellent choice, Mr. Cott. It's number six on my list, and I said the best arc punk album since Husker Du's Zen Arcade. A wonderful choice. Next on my list at number five is Danger Mouse and Daniel Lupi, Rome. Danger Mouse, of course, Brian Burton, that wonderfully talented producer, DJ, recordist, uh, songwriter, who's done all sorts of things from the Grey album to working with Gorillaz to working with Beck and Gnarls Barkley. Here, he created the soundtrack for an imaginary movie. It doesn't really exist, but it's one of those Ennio Morricone soundtracks for a spaghetti western from the 70s. And and it does a wonderful job of putting you in that time and place, partly because Burton went to that time and place. He went to Rome and recorded with a bunch of 75 and 80-year-old musicians who had worked with Ennio Morricone. I, I love this record because Italy is my favorite place in the universe. I love this record because I want to live in this movie that doesn't <laughs> exist. I I love this record because there's never been better music to make pasta to. This is a song called The Gambling Priest by Daniel Lupi and Danger Mouse from Rome on Sound Opinions. That was The Gambling Priest from the Danger Mouse and Daniel Lupi epic Rome on Sound Opinions. That is one of my favorite albums of 2011. We would love to hear some of yours. Give us a call on our hotline at 888-859-1800. Continuing with the best records of the year, Mr. Cott, what do you have next? My number four album, Jim, is from an artist named Van Hunt. And even if this record wasn't so great, it would have a great backstory to it. We have a singer here who was an acclaimed songwriter since the uh, late 90s. He was writing for a number of R&B and hip-hop artists. He won a Grammy Award with the first of his two major label albums. 
then released an album or tried to release an album called Popular in 2008 that his label rejected. He lost his label deal and basically has been wandering the wilderness the last few years trying to figure out what to do next. Put a small band together and came back with his most adventurous and best album yet. What Were You Hoping For is the name of it. Now, Van Hunt is an incredibly eclectic songwriter. He's not just working in this R&B vein anymore. He's really expanded the scope of what he's trying to do. There's everything on this album from psychedelic funk to punk to country. He's channeling people like Prince and Curtis Mayfield, but also Fugazi, Sun Ra. Even Chet Atkins, I was talking to him about this album. He says, yeah, I I had some Chet Atkins guitar licks in my (laughs) mind when I put this song together. I think the song here expresses the range that he was hoping to achieve on this record. It's called A Time Machine Is My New Girlfriend from What Were You Hoping For by Van Hunt on Sound Opinions. Van Hunt with A Time Machine Is My New Girlfriend, a fine pick from Mr. Cott, counting down our best albums of 2011. Coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, the listeners play critic. We hear some of their favorite albums of the year. Oh, <laughs> 
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And we are stoked to be counting down the very best albums of 2011. But Greg, you know, we believe everybody is a critic. We always love to get our listeners involved and ask them about their favorites of the year. You got it, Jim. First up is Jeremy from New York. Jeremy, welcome to Sound Opinions. How are you? Good. Tell us what your top album of the year is. I'm going with Helplessness Blues by Fleet Foxes. Yes, that's very high on a lot of people's lists this year. Seattle group, famous for its harmonies, wonderful return to folk rock roots, all of the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, beards, a lot of beards. Flannel. Yes, <laughs> They do harken back to some of the things from the 60s and 70s, singer-songwriter, but it's a little more oblique. It's not, it doesn't feel like navel-gazing. It feels more like serious inquiry into why we're here on this planet. But it's also the fact that they've had 30 years of folk, rock, and country to listen to, and they put it all together into a, a masterful sound. Now, first record got a lot of attention. Is this better than the uh, first Fleet Foxes record a few years ago? I think it is. I think it's a richer, more musically expansive experience, yeah. I've heard some Fleet Foxes fans say that they don't like, you know, the fact that it's a little bit more punchy. There's even like a little free jazz freak out at the end of one of the tunes. You know, they're getting away from their strengths. But you feel they took a step in the right direction with this. Definitely. I mean, you know, I didn't need to hear a retake of the last album. That, That was done. It was done perfectly. I mean, that song you just played is a perfect example of some of the ways they're pushing on this album. Because not only are the lyrics more direct, I mean, you wouldn't expect Robin Pecknold to say, I was trash on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. The other thing they do on that song is that the lyrics, the words, don't actually fit the melody line, which is like a technique from, you know, medieval music, classical music. It's not a folk tradition to do that. You've saved us the trouble, Jeremy, of giving it one of the slots on our list. I'm glad we talked about it, though. Great. Jeremy, thank you for a fine job at being a guest critic on Sound Opinions. You're very welcome. Up next, we're going to talk to Rose from Naperville, Illinois. Hi, Rose. Hi, Jim and Greg. How's it going? Excellent. Thank you. Have you got a favorite album, number one album for 2011 for us? I do. And it is not Bon Iver, although that seems to be everyone else's favorite. Not here. Not the show. <laughs> yes, I have the I hate mail. have the hate it. mail to prove it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like that album, but my favorite album of the year is Far and Away, Mute Math's Odd Soul. All right. For the people who don't know this band, tell us who Mute Math is. Okay. Well, um, they've been around for a few years and in a number of incarnations, but they're 
a group out of New Orleans. They play a mix of sort of like eclectic electronic rock. And on this album, they bring in a whole lot of 70s psychedelia and funk rock to the mix as well. Let's hear a little bit of Mute Math. high energy. It's got a lot of really cool guitar riffs. I think the the drumming and the rhythms are just really interesting, and they pull from a lot of different influences. Um, in fact, it kind of reminded me, it doesn't sound the same, but it reminds me of Janelle Monae's album last year because it pulls from all these disparate influences from track to track. I hear things like the meters coming out or the cars or even can at some times. There's some experimental, instrumental stuff thrown in there. But it all works for some reason, and I think the reason is it's very um, honest and straightforward, and the band itself has a lot of different influences, but they're writing about things that are personal to them, from their you know, evangelical upbringing, which, of course, gave them a little bit of a, a weirdness that they kind of dissect on the album, to their relationships and the fact that they all have families now and children, and that kind of changes the dynamic both within the group and the way that they see life. Well, you had me with Janelle Monet on this record, so I'm, uh, I'm all over it. I've definitely got to check this out. Great choice, Rose. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Okay, we've got one more listener nomination. Dirk is on the line here in Chicago. Hey, Dirk, how you doing? Doing great today. Thanks. Excellent. Have you got an album that you think is the best of 2011? I do. I do. I love the album Subtract by Subtract. So that's S-B-T-R-K-T. Uh, well, tell us who they are, because this is, this is digging deep, man. Well, this is uh, an electronic artist out of London, and he, he prefers to say anonymous. Um, kind of falls into that electronic dance music type genre, but I think it's a little bit beyond that. It's got the nuance and the melody that you don't usually see from the, the typical EDM type stuff. EDM, okay, you're throwing terms out at us that I think our listeners need to know about, so explain that, Dirk. Uh, that's electronic dance music. It's been a big year for, for EDM music this year. Um, Absolutely. With- David Guetta's album and uh, Skrillex and Dead Mouse as well, you know, and it's also showed up in a lot of the top 40 stuff this year. Several of those acts threatened to take over Lollapalooza this year. It was by far the most popular attraction, so you're absolutely right. This is a very, uh, up to call it up and coming is almost an insult because it's arrived. Stop my 
That's a little bit of Subtract, the 2011 self-titled album. It's Dirk's number one of the year. Dirk, thanks for sharing it. Thank you. Some fine nominations from three of our listeners for the best albums of 2011. But if you'd like to share yours, give us a call on our hotline at 888-859-1800. But back to our list now. I'm at number four, Greg, on mine, and I am choosing a record I know you loved as well, The Feelies, Here Before. Of all of the influential proto-alternative rock bands of the 80s and 90s that we've seen reform, I'm thinking of you, Pixies, and everybody else, the Feelies are the band that came back and gave us an album as good as any they had recorded before. In fact, the more I live with this record, I'm convinced that their reunion album here before is is probably my favorite after Crazy Rhythms, their incredible 1978 debut. Now, they never made a bad record. There were three between Crazy Rhythms and Here Before. They're all wonderful. They all have that magnetic Feelies drumbeat. It's like an undertow. It sucks you in. It's one of the most influential rhythms in, in rock and roll, I think, between Bo Diddley and the Velvet Underground and today. They came back and they kind of synthesized everything they had done on their other albums, everything that had happened to them in the years in between. It's a wonderful, timeless, never-aging sense of mystery that this band works in. Granted, you know, it brings me back to my youth. I grew up with this band. They meant a lot to me back in the day, but I I think I would have been harsher on them if they'd come back and let me down. It really would have been a pain in my heart. Here are the feelies once again from the album Here Before. It's a song called When You Know on Sound Opinions. When You Know from the Feelies, the new album is Here Before, one of Jim DeRogatis' top albums of 2011, and I concur wholeheartedly. Man, what a great record that is. 
Number three on my list is the band Tune Yards. They came into Sound Opinions earlier in the year and blew us away. The centerpiece of this band is Meryl Garbus. What a personality, what a voice, what a musical talent. Up there on stage, strumming away on that ukulele. Not strumming, I'd say thrashing away on that ukulele, pounding the drums, layering and looping her voice into this choir-like effect. She's made huge strides with her second album, Who Kill?, That is number three on my list this year. Her 2009 debut, Bird Brains, was pretty good, but it was recorded on a dictaphone. She really expanded the sound on this record. What I'm really hearing on this record, Jim, is those Afro-pop rhythms really bringing out a dance element. It is a powerful dance record. And over the top, you've got Meryl with this amazing voice. The joy, the uninhibited nature of that voice is what really pulls me in. Here's a track called Gangsta from Tune Yard's Who Kill on Sound Opinions. That's a track called Gangster from the number three album on my list, Tune Yards, Who Kill? Greg also made my top ten list. Uh, I've got my actually top 40 up online, and yours is up online off the soundopinions.org website as well. I'm up to number three on my list, and I'm going to play the Brooklyn trio, Das Racist. Really, uh, two main men here and their hype guy. What a wonderful record. I think this brought back a measure of the wild, inventive, playful, psychedelic creativity of some of my all-time favorite hip-hop. I'm thinking De La Soul's Three Feet High and Rising and the Beastie Boys' Paul's Boutique. You know that wonderful story about the Beatles throwing up in the air little bits and pieces of calliope circus music to get the background for the benefit of Mr. Kite? Mm -hmm. Okay, imagine that, but with (laughs) video game soundtrack, and that's what the music here sounds like, but produced by the bomb squad of public enemy fame. Then you have this incredible assault of goofy but somehow brilliant pop culture references. You know, 
they're name dropping Maury Povich and Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pops and White Castles and all this stuff and Stephen Hawking all in the same rhymes and, and it somehow makes sense. It's a wonderful party disc. I'm going to play the lead off track. It's called Relax by Das Racist on Sound Opinions. White devils like it. I'm drinking coffee brought to me by white devil sidekicks. They asking if we like to get hired, like they hired him. The fire and brimstone is known to be composed of desire, never twice live. The metal might miss, but the beveled edge of the mind can't provide tricks to bring the light to the likes of whites and black kids as well. It's like magic. I'm not your average. Negro, please. I know I'm an idiot, but I got a stick and I'ma use it a little bit. I'm not too sure if I should clue in the little kids or if I'm too clueless to move with the bigger fish. Why it gotta be those two and not some other shit? Take me to the mothership. Hate me, I'm a Brumovic. I'm Lady Gaga. I'm a Gavin. I'm a lesbian. See me playing bass and jam bands up at Wesleyan. See me at a poetry slamming like '97. Singing classic numbers by Otis Redding. Totally shredding. Hoping you get it, yeah. Number three on my best albums of 2011 list, Das Racist with the title track to their album, Relax. To check out our complete best of list, go to soundopinions.org. And to share yours, call 888-859-1800 or email interact at soundopinions.org. When we return to Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, we make it to number one.
Sound opinions. We are in the midst of our best of 2011 show. The suspense is building. Greg, you're at number two. What have you got? Jim, I've got a late arrival in our horse race for the best album of the year, and that is the new album from The Roots, Undone. I think this group is kind of overlooked in, in recent years. The Philadelphia Octet, they've been going for two decades. They're probably best known now as the house band for the Late Night with Jimmy Fallon TV talk show. They put out a great album in 2010, How I Got Over, that was overlooked. Don't make the same mistake with Undone. In fact, the more I listen to it, the more I feel it's the best work this band has ever done. And I know that's really saying something. It's a song cycle, the first one of their career, 14 tracks, 38 filler-free moments. Blows me away on on two levels. First of all, this song cycle, it's semi-autobiographical about this street character who basically has to make a choice early in his life about which way he's going to go. Bad or good? Well, you know, you, he chooses the bad side and ends up uh, in a bad way. It tells his tale in these series of songs about the bad decisions that he's made in his life and how it cost him his life. The music is what really gets to me, though. This mix of funk, gospel, there's even a four-part neoclassical suite that ends the album on this beautifully chilling note. It is the best musical work that this eight-piece band has ever done. A number of tracks really get me, but here's one of the best. It's called The Other Side from The Roots Undone on Sound Opinions. Yeah, we obviously need to tone it down a bit. Run around town, spending time like it's counterfeit. Everybody catching hate fever like sinuses. Step in my arena, let me show y'all who the highness is. You might say I could be doing something positive. Humble hands down low and broke like promises. Soaking and broken in a joke like comics is. Not enough paper to be paying folks compliments. But when that paper got low, so did my tolerance. And it ain't no truth in the dead without the consequence. Listen, if not for these hood inventions, I'll be just another kid from the block with no intentions. On a dock of that bay, serving a life sentence. Even if I'm going to hell, I'm going to make an entrance. Yeah, let them know I'm getting cheese like Omelis is. But I'm the toast of the town like Thomas my number two album of the year from The Roots. It's called Undone, and that was a track called The Other Side. Time for number one, Jim. What's it going to be? 
Greg, I have got to go with Le Butcherette's Sin, 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 a fine album from a trio from Mexico led by one Terry Genderbender, a.k.a. Terry Suarez. Now, I know our listeners wonder from time to time, you know, are you critics following each other? And you and I actually wince in in pain every time we have a choice that's similar. But here I got to give credit where it's due because Todd Martin's a guy who grew up reading and listening to you and me from Chicago. He, He works now for the Los Angeles Times, the middle of South by Southwest. I'm ready to turn it in late one night. He drags me instead to this club. He says, you've got to see this. And it was Les Butcherettes. We were really out of place. This was not a hype show and it blew my mind. And then I heard the record when it came out, produced by Omar Rodriguez Lopez of the Mars Volta and at the drive-in. And I loved it even more. Terry is angry at a lot of things. She is angry about that electrified fence that some people want to build between the United States and Mexico. She is angry at that fence between men and women, the inequities in the battle of the sexes. And she's angry just because it's fun to be angry, okay? But this is not an in-your-face, turn-you-off kind of uh, aggressive record. There's a joy here. Those rollicking new wave rhythms and the way she attacks her guitar and her vocals and the keyboard she plays. It's a minimalist band. It's just, you know, a couple of ingredients. But boy, the sound is amazing because her personality is larger than life. This is a song that kicks off the record. It's called Sin Sin Sin, the album. The song is called Tonight. It's Les Butcherettes, my number one album of the year on Sound Opinions.
That is Tonight by Lay Butcherettes on Sound Opinions. And, Craig, you got to love a band that's name-dropping Henry Miller, Salinger, and Fitzgerald, right? Jim, there are definitely some forces of nature in our top ten <laughs> list this year. Terry Genderbender, Meryl Garbus, and I think the Women in Wild Flag, my number one album of the year, also qualify in that regard. I know how much you love this album as well. I think we were uh, blown away as soon as we saw these four people on stage together at South by Southwest back in March, and the debut self-titled album from them more than lived up to that promise. Four veterans of the indie rock scene with over 80 years of experience between the four of them. It sounds like they're really old. They're not. they got an incredible amount of energy. But we're talking about uh, two-thirds of Sleater Kinney with Carrie Brownstein and Janet Weiss. We've got The Guiding Force in Helium and numerous other solo projects, Mary Timoney, and then a key member of the Minders in keyboardist Rebecca Cole. Together, they made a terrific record. It's interesting, when uh, we had the band in on the show a few weeks ago, Carrie Brownstein was, was talking about, you know, I actually kind of hear, hear it as a breakup album. It doesn't translate that way to the listener. It is this incredible sense of letting go that comes through in the music. The joy of playing music, the joy of dancing, the joy of getting lost in the moment. There are numerous references to that in the lyric, but also just the way the interaction of those guitar, bass, and drums. Just when you think, Jim, when you've heard it all, this this vocabulary is exhausted, you can't do any more with it, a record comes along like this, and you can just hear the joy, you feel the joy in it, and you're kind of rejuvenated yourself about what you do for a living and and listening to rock music and go, yeah, there's still life in this force here. Absolutely. Here's a great track from Wild Flag's self-titled debut. It's called Romance on Sound Opinions.
Romance by Wild Flag, Greg's number one album of the year, my number two. You can see all of our best of 2011 albums at soundopinions.org. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we have our very own Chris Kringle, Andy Serzan, coming back with our annual Christmas Spectacular. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Sound Opinions is produced by Robin Lynn, Jason Saldana, and Annie Minoff. And our executive producer, our fearless leader, Tori Southside Malatia, his album of the year came from Michael Buble. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. New messages. Yes, this is um, Professor Arturo. I'm from New Orleans. I live in Connecticut now, but I just was overjoyed to hear the interview with Trombone Shorty. I actually grew up two blocks from where Chumbaugh and Shorty lived on Dumaine Street. And I, I grew up on Dumaine Street also and have seen him grow from a little kid in, in grade school, junior high school. And his playing with, with just uh, adults was just magnificent. But thank you very much for bringing me some memories of home. Hi, this is Dom calling from Los Angeles. I just wanted to say to Jim and Greg, you know, how thrilled I was to hear you guys trashing that Lou Reed and Metallica album. To me, it sounded like the radio was stuck on somewhere between two stations where Lou Reed was just reading from his journal and Metallica was just jamming away. And it just doesn't even sound like they'd ever met each other. I was particularly offended when I saw in some video of an interview that Lou Reed was saying that Metallica had brought him to be, you know, the best he's ever been. And I just wanted to smack him and be like, Lou Reed, you need to listen to Velvet Underground. This is not the best you've ever been. What are you talking about? Myriad choices of his fate set themselves out upon a plate for him to choose. Not a ghost bloody country all covered with sleep Where the black angel did weep Not an old city street and he's Gone to choose Hi, this is Debbie from Charleston, South Carolina I just finished listening to your show with Paul Krugman um, I'm also an aging baby boomer And I know about needing a rock doctor uh, my son's taken on this job, and one of his recommendations was the Super Furry Animals. I've listened to Hotel Shampoo, and though I like the melodies, it's, it's too mellow for me. So I recommend Super Furry Animals' album, um, Gorilla. Thanks. Bye. 
Hey guys, this is Jonathan calling from Canton, Connecticut. I just uh, got a chance to listen to your Paul Krugman Rock Doctors episode. I'm a huge Paul Krugman fan, and I love your guys' show, so it was really awesome to hear the two coming together. Um, I wanted to share, I actually wrote a song about Paul Krugman that went viral um, a couple years ago. If you search Google for Hey Paul Krugman, it's the first thing that comes up. And I ended up actually singing it live on the Rachel Maddow show which was kind of a cool experience. Just want to share that with you guys. Hope you guys like it. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Because we need you on the front lines, not just writing for the New York Times. I'd feel better if you were calling some shots instead of writing your blog and probably thinking a lot. I mean, don't you have some influence? Why aren't you Secretary of the Treasury? For God's sakes, man, you won the Nobel Prize. Timothy Gardner uses TurboTax. When I listen to you, things seem to make sense. Listen to him, all I hear is no more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.